okay everybody so on diplomacy direct uh, today we bring yet another eminent speaker uh, to talk about a very important and a very rarely spoken topic about insurgencies of the northeast being an integral and valued part of our uh, nation so we live by the great uh, indian motto uh, unity in diversity but uh, we've also always had been facing our challenges with uh, separatism blockism and malicious political agendas that drive movements um, insurgencies traitoristic activities and defiance indian governance mechanism the security forces and the law enforcement largely succeed in upholding democracy and the individual ways of lives however there isn't an absolute win in persuading everyone in every area and region kashmir has always been in focus since our constitutional and regional formation as a nation however uh, a major focus has to go to another area of our vast country that is the northeast uh, which has always needed the requisite attention but hasn't received it uh, in a way it warrants at this juncture uh, the urgency has now amplified as china has started salami slicing uh, interfering into local politics and uh, social system using the weak areas of vulnerabilities as mentioned earlier so today we are going to touch base on these very sensitive issues faced with the northeast states and uh, we'll try to understand the resolution of it to the fullest extent uh, hi i'm vipul tamhane and welcome to yet another conversation at diplomacy direct today we have a revered commander of our armed forces a military diplomat a veteran patriot who still is dedicated to his cause to this nation so uh, general shokin chauhan param visistha seva seva medal ati visistha seva medal visistha seva medal yudh seva medal and sena medal uh, he has fought in operation meghdoot in 1984 in siachen with his fellow gorkhas from 11 gorkha rifles he has served and commanded operations in kashmir and northeast with the 10th mounted brigade he has commanded the 8th mountain corps in ladakh and has commanded assam rifles as director general in the recent past he has served as chairman of the ceasefire monitoring group in the northeast and he brings immense wealth of experience and knowledge and perspective on nepal diplomacy and northeastern welfare so it's my joy to welcome general chauhan general chauhan welcome to diplomacy direct sir thank you so much vipul for calling me i'm indeed honored by uh, your your calling me and on this show in indeed it's a, it's it's the pleasure is all our on on our end thank so, you so much from a geopolitical standpoint the indian northeast is neighboring with nepal bangladesh bhutan myanmar china a little peep in history you know the tripura and manipur were princely states nepha was bordering tibet as we talk about china uh, what uh, so basically uh, why don't i ask you this what are the geographical dynamics of northeastern states with its foreign neighbors aiding india's cross border diplomacy vipul uh, you know it's good to start with the first things first so your question about what is the northeast actually needs a little bit of understanding about what it comprises of and what it should be now as you said yourself northeast india is uh, the easternmost region of india and it comprises of eight states they generally call it the eight uh, the seven sisters and one brother mm-hmm. arunachal pradesh uh, assam manipur uh, meghalaya mizoram nagaland and tripura are the sisters and the eighth one is sikkim which is called the brother mm-hmm. so th- that's how it is seven sisters and one brother now uh, you know we we talk about a lot of things about the northeast but we should be aware that actually it is the siliguri corridor in west bengal 
which has a width of 21 kilometers to 40 kilometers mm-hmm. that is if i put it in miles 13 to 25 miles which connects the entire northeast region to mainland india mm-hmm. it's just small carrot corridor right yep and this region shares an international border of 5182 kilometers with the neighboring countries mm-hmm. you know a 1395 kilometers with the tibet autonomous autonomous region i will not call it china it's still tibet autonomous region as far as absolutely yeah. absolutely china in the north uh, that is tatar china right then 1643 kilometers with myanmar now actually it is if you say uh, it is also a little more it's another 143 kilometers more because myanmar has not demarcated uh, this last part of the 145 kilometers because china has not finalized its border with us okay so 1643 kilometers with myanmar 1596 kilometers with bangladesh in the southwest mm-hmm. 97 kilometers with nepal in the west and 455 kilometers with bhutan in the northwest geographically it is an area of 262230 kilometers which is almost 8% of the geographical area of india 8% mm-hmm. yeah that's a lot of space but it is also home to some of the subcontinents last remaining rainforests which support diverse flora and fauna several different crop species not found anywhere in india mm-hmm. there are numerous reserves of petroleum natural gas which exist in the region and are esti- estimated to actually constitute one fifth of india's total potential and if you look at the map of of the northeast mm-hmm. you will find that it is covered by the mighty brahmaputra barak river systems and their tributaries that means this entire area is actually a watershed for these two huge rivers mm-hmm. so geographically apart from brahmaputra barak and the imphal valleys some of the flatlands between the hills of meghalaya and tripura the remaining two third is hilly terrain interspersed with valleys and plains mm-hmm. and let me come to the population of the northeast it is approximately 46 to 48 million with 68% maybe 70 now of them are living in assam alone assam's population density is 397 people per kilometer wow national average is 382 people per kilometer right yep but the rest of the northeast has very low uh population density really low the literacy in the northeastern region except that in arunachal is higher than the national average of 74% okay mm-hmm. so it has 220 ethnic groups and that is why we will come to this it's important because then this actually is the reason why the insurgencies are there and an equal number of dialects mm-hmm. the hill districts of uh, arunachal pradesh or hill states or arunachal pradesh meghalaya mizoram and nagaland are predominantly inhabited by tribal people mm. even within them there is a degree of diversity within the tribal groups so the region's population results from ancient and continuous flows of migration mm-hmm. from tibet from the indo-gangetic india the himalayas the present bangladesh and myanmar myanmar actually plays a very important role when you organize or when you analyze uh, the northeast absolutely okay what distinguishes these these states from the rest of the country is the sensitive political location with an existence of uh, the ethnic groups and different historical backgrounds absolutely yep you know when people say they say the northeast mm-hmm. but people uh, northeast is not a single entity with a common political destiny 
Uh-huh. That has to be understood by our people. Yes. You know, it consists of eight states. The region covers a geographical area of 2.55 lakh kilometers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the region is a gateway to southeastern Asia. Absolutely. And I mentioned you the, 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 the countries that... And these communities are actually living on the fringe of three great political communities. Mm-hmm. India, China and Burma. Yep. And these communities play the role of buffer communities or bridge communities between these three great political countries and political communities. Mm-hmm. So when you talk of something like this, Vipul, you have to be very clear that though this 40 million population accounts for only 3.1% of India's population, mm-hmm. they occupy a very strategic space. And it's very important to us that this this region is kept peaceful. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. That in lies the answer of dealing with uh, the communities and to making sure that there is peace. Absolutely. Yeah. So basically, sir, so we all know, right? So, uh, and, and those who of us are more into the... Uh, uh, the geopolitics of the area and as you rightly said that as there is more diversity tend to being at the vantage of these three nations yeah uh, you know the strategic so s- since the independence uh, you know india is tackling movements and subsequent insurgencies in northeast region from the first uprising of the naga hills of 1954-55 then uh, arising from the seclusion politics which was actually practiced by the british which led into insurgencies in 1956 led by the uh, angami jafu fisu and the ncc being at the recruiting and operating forefront of the insurgencies uh, then the Lushai Hills rewards that led to Mizoram Accord or the uh, Metia insurgency of nine, uh, 16 uh, of, of, of 60s and 70s uh, with formation of the Liberation Army of Manipur, a United Liberation Front, Prepa, Kangle Park, you know, then the, uh, the Tripura National Volunteers revolted against... Um, uh, against the fundamental rights differences between indigenous and the Bengali-speaking people. Then the Digboy crude oil matter where it was sent to Baroni in Bihar to get refined. Here the unrest rose with the uh, non-industrialization agenda until the uh, Nunmati refinery came up. Then the uh, All Assam Students Union, the Assam Jana um, uh, uh, Sangram uh, Parishad revolted against the non-domicile voters in the uh, Mangaldoi Lok uh, Sabha yeah, by yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically, and and uh, uh, and and there it, uh, we see the resolution coming as an Assam Accord. Then uh, uh, we see Ulfa uprising, the Prafulla Kumar Mahanta government dismissal, and then the Operation Rhino, and the you know uh, uh, and. Uh, at at parallel, the Kokrajal and the Udalguri areas where we see the NDBF and the Bodo Liberation Tigers started Bodoland movement. Um, uh, and then uh, that was because of the alienation of the administrative cracks or the favoritism or uh, language biases, land grabbing, unemployment, non-representation, fund scarcity, uh, unstructured developments, clubbing everything into one single basket of non uh, or, or rather gross neglect due to bureaucracy. Right. So all this is happening in the Northeast and India being a young nation, even, even, even we are learning out of all these things. So now for the past two decades, uh, have you know gotten the northeast a better connectivity uh, development and welfare funds with guaranteed and steady fr- funds with approximate 10% of uh, uh, annual national budget since the creation of donor the, the ministry of development of northeastern region which governs the non lapsable pool of the funds of the northeastern region so sir the question here is that learn its lessons here on what should the central government look at from the governance perspective to avoid any future conflicts that could 
create the ideological outbursts from the perceived neglect by the union government also what will be the role of military in terms of vigilance on the borders uh, to you know keep a check on foreign elements to create uh, you know and 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 then the uh, responsibility of being parallel you know which creates issues with central governance and national security integrity so what are your thoughts on that <laughs> you know the the one thing that i didn't want you to do is you club the northeast together it cannot be clubbed together these these cross connects of the tribes mm-hmm. uh, that is the issue we must understand okay why is each state on fire or why was it in fire is hmm. something we need to understand because th- the medicine for each state is different it is not the same medicine you use in nagaland that will be the medicine that you talk for in the lushai hills or mizoram or for that matter meghalaya or manipur mm-hmm. every state's security situation is different and we need to understand every state's reason where we go wrong before is that we club the northeast together mm. the previous uh, setup they, they this 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 government has created the dona ministry previously they had created what was called the northeastern council mm-hmm. with its headquarters in in meghalaya shillong mm-hmm. and the northeastern council was a basically a bureaucracy setup was supposed to bring this development into the northeast through direct funding by the government that mm. means instead of a donor ministry the northeastern council would do the same thing mm. mm-hmm. unfortunately the donor ministry also does the same thing you are running this from delhi mm-hmm. you are supposed to run it from each state correct now let me just go quickly right let's just first talk about the mother of all insurgencies nagaland why did this happen i don't know if you are aware that the british came into the northeast on the invitation of the of 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 what is the present state of assam and manipur and there were a number of anglo burmese wars the reason was that burma had actually conquered almost all of assam and mm. all of the rest of the northeast and when burma had conquered the had conquered that area you know the these kings had lost their empires mm. right there was the there was the ahom kingdom there were uh-huh. the princely states of manipur and tripura they were they were deployed there for what they they had lost their empires and if they had lost their empires then how would you how would you go further and they are the ones who invited the british to the northeast they told the british look please come mm-hmm. we need you to get our empire back mm. right and when they got the the british to give them to fight the burmese and to to get their empire back what did it mean it meant that the british would now not go go away from there hmm correct so the so britain in three wars which finally ended with the anglo burma war of 1856 1814 to 1816 1824 then 1856 in these three wars mm-hmm. who gained britain hmm they were invited to come in they defeated the burmese empire restored this but also took the entire country of burma so now the british colony which was now being ruled from calcutta hmm those days also ruled the entire burma entire burma from there and this complete area vipul became an area of the movement of labor 
for the tea gardens, for the various other issues that Britain wanted to take out from there and take it to Britain. Mm, mm, they mm, were enriching mm. whom? They were enriching their own kingdom. Correct. But they were invited by our people. That's the issue about what you have to understand. Yep, that that's a ground zero perspective, actually. Absolutely. So people who talk of anything else now forget history. That day the British were in, invited by the Ahom Kingdom and the King of Manipur. And when they came in, they obviously took everything. Mm. Now, in this setup, where is like I said, the insurgency start? Insurgency start was these was what we call the mother of all insurgencies, the insurgency in Nagaland. I'll take five minutes to explain it to you quickly. Absolutely. In 1921, after the First World War, mm -hmm. and this was the time when Britain had used Nagas as labor and formed them into what you call the Naga Labor Corps. That the people who took part in the Naga Labor Corps got together in Kohima and formed what you called the Naga Club. Mm -hmm. 1921. In 1929, the Nagas go to the Simon Commission and they tell them that look, we you will leave one day. Mm. The day you leave, we are not a part of India. We've never been a part of India. Mm. You conquered us like you conquered India. So when mm. you leave, you leave us both in two separate states. Mm. We don't want to be a part of India. Mm. This is 1929. The British officers at that time formed them into a Naga club, allowed them to become a, an association, a political association, mm -hmm. to fight for the rights of the Nagas. They became the Naga National Council. At that time, it was only for the welfare of Nagas. Mm -hmm. But when independence started, or when the movement was clear that by 1946, Britain would leave India, the Nagas went back and said, look, we want to remain independent. We are not a part of India because nowhere in no chronicle, in no historical setup has this part have ever been a part of any empire of India. Mm. It was not a part of the. It was not a part of the Mughal India. Mm -hmm. The Mughals had only come up till Assam. Mm. It was not a part of anybody else. In 1946, there was a governor of Assam called mm. Hyderi, Governor Hyderi. 46. Mm -hmm. We hadn't got independence yet. And at that time, the Naga signed an agreement with him. Nine point agreement. The basis of which was, we will accept being a part of India, but you will get 10 years to decide what you want to do. Mm. Geographical reality was geographical reality, but give them 10 years. But when we became independent by 1950, our Prime Minister had abrogated the Hyderi Agreement and said, no, there is no choice or no question. Maybe because of our, our problem with Kashmir, mm -hmm. maybe with whatever other issue. Mm. But the issue was that there was a political movement. The issue was that these parts, these places were not a part of our country. Uh -huh. And they were different. So when you broad brush it, that is the mistake we all do. We broad brush it. We expect to rule from Delhi. But mm. Northeast has to be taken and meant to rule from Northeast. Correct. Okay. Everything was a part of Assam at independence. Whether it was Meghalaya, whether it was Nagaland, whether it was Manipur, Manipur was different. All these states, Meghalaya, Mizoram and Nagaland was a part of Assam. Mm -hmm. That means there was Assam and there was Nifa, Northeast Frontier Agency, which became completely Arunachal Pradesh. Mm. And Nagaland was Naga Hills and the district of Tiansan. So when this 
insurgency started in 18, 1956 in Nagaland. 1956. Why did it start? Because we abrogated the Hyderi Agreement. We did not accept the fact that we would give them a choice 10 years later. Hmm. You know? So when and when you come to know the Nagas, you realize that they do not accept uh, you know, you lying. To some people, North in especially in the North, especially the tribes, they don't lie to you. Hmm. They tell you the truth. That was the start, Ripple, of this insurgency, 1956. After that, we formed the state of Nagaland in 1960-61, September 60 actually, with a 16-point agreement. But after the state was found, there was a group of people who did not accept it. Mm -hmm. Especially a person called Friso, who had started his independent Naga National Council who had now escaped and was living in Britain. Hmm. Whether he was being fed by the British to continue this problem there or any other way, the issue was that Fizo did not agree to the formation of the Nagaland state politically because they said that the Nagaland state's boundaries mm -hmm. did not unite the entire tribes of, Naga, of Nagas. Correct. Since these tribes live in the state of Manipur, mm. they live in the south of Assam, you know, the southern state, part of South Assam, mm -hmm. and Nagaland. So there are cookies, there are Chin cookies, some from Myanmar, some Correct. from Manipur. Correct. and So everything. these are yeah. Naga tribes. They said, we want to be unified as one state, one geographical entity. Correct. If you have read my, uh, you know, my, my uh, background, as the chairman of the ceasefire monitoring group, I was the one responsible to get over to break the NSCN Kaplang group. The NSCN Kaplang group is the one that broke the ceasefire with us in, uh, in 2015, when they attacked that army column in Manipur, mm -hmm. killing 18 of our people. Yes. This was led by a Burmese Naga called Kaplang, mm -hmm. who was a Koniak from the Koniak tribe. Mm -hmm. So Kaplang died in 2018 and he was replaced by an Indian Naga from whose village was in the Indian side called Kango Koniak, who was mm -hmm. his general. Okay. And Kango became the boss. With a lot of effort, we were able to bring Kango into India, breaking the NSCN Kaplang group. Hmm. And when he broke the group and I went and met him and I made him sign the ceasefire, uh, ceasefire agreement with us, I asked Kango, what was your ultimate aim? Hmm. Why are you fighting us? Why are you fighting us for so long? Hmm. He said, General, my aim is the unification of all my Naga brothers. Okay. So all these Naga brothers are half here and half there. So, it's an unreality of, a, of the present situation. It's an unreality. It's a political unreality. Hmm. Right? But these people will keep fighting. Unless someone explains to them that these borders can be made soft, you, you are allowed to meet each other, and there should be no problem. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so, when we talk, Vipul, of the Northeast, I would again request you not to club them all together. Each insurgency has a different reason. And each reason must be looked at, discussed with them and decided with them. For that you need patience, you mm -hmm. need knowledge. Mm -hmm. And once you get this very sensitive region together, you would have unified India, which is our ultimate aim. Absolutely. The, 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 you know, the honor of being a part of India, which is one of the best and biggest states in the world. I mean, we, are, we were the golden bird at one time. Yep. But the ability to keep it together, unified, lies on us, Vipul. We can't be separating each other. Correct. And Correct. where I find we are at fault is that we are trying to understand things from Delhi. 
without knowing what the truth is. Each insurgency is different. Each has a separate cause. Correct. And it is for us to get that cause over. So, sir, basically, uh, every indigenous ethnic movement, even from from beginning, was considered as an anti-national or Correct. became yes. a security trouble. So, yeah. how should Indian diplomacy work inside out in terms of tackling the residual issues in Northeast? And here on, what should the central government look at from the governance perspective to avoid future conflicts? Uh, like you said, integration of uh, this thing and uh, send, uh, you know decentralized local governance and all, and gov- uh, putting that governance perspective to uh, you know create an ideological or uh, you know to to get that notion out that now there is no more perceived neglect by the union government and we are totally at peace and now 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 help us help you. So how how would that happen? First, as you said, the first issue is governance. Governance, what does it mean? Take welfare to the people. Prevent crime. Have police. Have administrators. Have food. Have roads. Have schools. Have Hmm. jobs. Governance includes all these things. It includes welfare. It includes houses for them. It includes running water. It includes electricity, it includes education, right to education, the right to jobs, right to employment has to be for given there. Absolutely. That is governance. You cannot have the Assam Rifles and I have been the Director General of Assam Rifles. You cannot have a military force pushing governance. We can't. Though Assam Rifles, we run 46 schools in, in the Northeast. 46 schools we run. In the in the northeast, but the end point is that it's an Assam rifle run school. Mm-hmm. Some run till the fourth standard, some run till the sixth standard, some run till the eighth standard. But we are military people. Mm. It is not our job to be running schools. Absolutely, there are no schools otherwise. If not for the Assam rifle schools, there's no other school. Where do these children go? Even if they go to school, some villages are so far flung that their children have to walk. There are no roads. There are no buses. There is no electricity. There is no internet. Mm-hmm. What kind of welfare are you taking to them? Mm. Then what will they believe they are part of? So my entire thing has been, if you talk of governance, take governance. That There is crime there, people. There are insurgent groups. You must prevent these villagers from becoming innocent victims of these crimes. Absolutely. You're not preventing them. You can't have the Assam rifles doing it. You have to have police forces there. You have to have police posts there. They don't exist. If running water does not exist, if electricity does not exist, if education doesn't exist, then what kind of talk are you giving them? So my thing would be identify the issues. One, governance is the main issue. Hmm. Understand that across the border there are these brothers. Now recently the Myanmar army took over Myanmar by 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 overthrowing Aung San Suu Kyi. Hmm. 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 This resulted in a large number of people running into our country. Correct. Right. While Manipur was able to, you know, from the Moray border, did not allow people to go in. Mizoram said, we cannot stop our Chin brothers from coming in. Correct. Because Sagang province or across is the Chin province. Correct. And Chins are their brothers. When I was talking to uh, the Chief Minister Lal Haula, when I was the Director General, <laughs> and that time Aung San Suu Kyi had won, and she had her ministers, he was very happy to say that, you know, Aung San Suu Kyi has appointed two vice presidents as uh, Hua Chins. Hmm. So they are looking at that togetherness with Myanmar. When will we understand that our population and that population are mixed and together belong to the same tribe? These are the soft borders of India. These are the difficult areas of India. And understanding these require 
a great deal of effort they require a great deal of knowledge they require a great deal of credibility people absolutely sir well said you cannot talk one thing and do the third thing you can't correct so sir now that you are talking about the more border you know the uh, area in manipur so the insurgent group leaders are actually based in the tamut town in myanmar bordering uh, manipur not, not really bibul tamu is a if you been to tamu i really wish you been to tamu is a small dusty village town it's just a small dusty village town on the border of more hmm. it has a few shops that are shops because people go across buy from them and bring them sir but it, it generally is live there that it incorrect they have camps correct 20 to 40 kilometers away from the border sir and what was happening until now is that all the tribes those who are fighting until now together have you know come together they are training in those camps uh, you know this is all happening under instructions of the chinese pla as they say again these were the trained people who attacked in chandel the uh, the 18 soldiers that we martyred uh, uh, the instance that you said some time back and the interference of the insurgent factions from myanmar like the uh, kachin independence uh, organization the kio and the poc- these pockets are still in these areas bordered and puppeted by pla the myanmar uh, military leaders are said to you know often meet the pla top leaders in the uh, area bordering uh, along the yunnan province and all again talking about this area in the border check posts like the uh, kudang thabi and the palel encounter uh, you know so these areas encounter smuggling of gold wildlife you know like your pangolins your geckos shark fins also you know weapons on regular basis are crossing border there is an influx of amphetamine uh, drugs so they called it the uh, world is your tablets and talking about the cookies and the naga tribes having territorial tribe clashes in the region poppy cultivation is on the spring chin cookies have common uh, you know come uh, into this and they have a nexus with the nepalese border region uh, they also there are also manipuri muslims the 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 pangals uh, from the sora and the lilong um uh, uh you know they they are primarily uh, understood to uh, deal in drugs and everything and which is also connected with isi somewhere and the uh, nscn im you know they get into bangladesh via myanmar they get trained there by isi so general sir with all this going on what will be the role of again military has to have uh its presence and it is doing the best what they could do so in terms of vigilance on the border states to keep check on the foreign elements to create nuisance within the territory and on the border you know uh, where the insurgency and all these things are again and second question to this is what will be the role of intelligence agencies in this new found internal diplomacy if we arrive at it so it's kind of a complex situation could you please throw some light on it throwing light on complexity means opening that onion and explaining each part of that onion <laughs> okay. okay okay now the chandel ambush was planned by the nscn khaplang group who doesn't get along with the nscn im both these groups were on ceasefire with india why did one break and why hasn't the other one broken is something you must look at mm-hmm. you talked of tamu i told you tamu is a small little dusty town but the main leaders and the camps are 20 to 40 kilometers away from the camp from the from the country's borders mm-hmm. why is myanmar not looking in the border because myanmar army is doesn't myanmar firstly does not have the same resources secondly the army is not large enough to look after these parts of the country there are more than 30 insurgencies in myanmar itself which the myanmar army is fighting hmm 
so the border areas don't are not important to them they have more or less told these insurgent group that you look after the border areas for us mm-hmm. we will not chase you myanmar army or myanmar is in bed with china they may have no option bipul because which is the largest country around yep i was had gone for a last level meeting to myanmar couple of years ago and i was talking to the myanmar leadership to mm-hmm. one of these myanmar leaders called me aside and said general we have a common enemy china is our common enemy so i don't agree with you in saying that myanmar does not realize that china is an enemy to them they do they just don't have any option is myanmar helping these insurgent groups i would say no they're only not attacking them because they don't have the capability who is to give them that capability is who is being affected most india is being affected most so we must give the myanmar army capability to fight these chaps in their area mm-hmm. can we go into myanmar to attack them we did it we've been doing it for the last 20 30 years but we should not go more than 20 odd kilometers now the camps have shifted to 40 there's no way we can cross and come back Hmm. it will have to be the myanmar army helping us out we've taken this issue up with the myanmar government many times but myanmar itself is a poor country and it's difficult for them to do that so is the kachin international kachin army or the insurgency army kia or the kio helping these guys will they all together and they're getting money out of it mm-hmm. there is gun running there is wild wildlife running there is drug running there is issues like that some naga group do not do any drug running like nsc and im does not allow drugs mm-hmm. no women trafficking in drugs is done by the nsc and im it is also the largest group there mm-hmm. but because it's the largest most powerful group it is the group that can do a lot of stuff and has a threat in being and therefore we must retain them in peace mm-hmm. So like i said each group has to be dealt with separately each part has to be dealt with separately each part must have <coughs> an answer through people who know the issue right you talked of diplomacy there are you called internal diplomacy or you called it uh, you you said our intelligence agencies exactly what the intelligence must do they must find information they must meet these people we must get them to accept our peace and we must get them to agree to living together in peaceful existence in india mm-hmm. you can't keep saying ki yaar ye in it it is left on information or not this is not happening or that's not happening as far as we are concerned they have the ability they've been given the funding mm-hmm. <coughs> they have the manpower and they have to do their job which is getting us information mm. so governance has to reach protection has to reach police has to reach hmm. everything cannot be done on the ground lot of things are political in nature you have to get education there get jobs there mm-hmm. make that better you said roads you have to be made everything has to be made and once the people believe that the country believes in them and has a stake for their coexistence peaceful coexistence and that they will live a life of uh, of what i would say uh an ability to sustain themselves why should mm-hmm. they be insurg- in an insurgency 99% of the people there people believe in the idea of india they believe that india is the country that they are a part of mm-hmm. they are now very proud of india because they see that myanmar or bangladesh do not give them any kind of a Uh, they have no ability mm-hmm. they know that now we have to tell them that you are a part of us they are all minority we have to accept that minority part we have to accept their culture and we have to bring them in that can only be done through a great effort but more than anything else it has to be done with knowledge absolutely every village needs like for example let me tell you as dg assam rifles have allotted about 5 crores to look after the border area border mm-hmm. area development fund it's a separate fund in the government mm-hmm. 
Each village requires a separate project. Some village is growing naga chili, somebody is growing apricot, somebody is growing pineapple, somebody is growing this. He can grow pineapples for himself to consume, but if he's going to take it to the market, then pineapples have to be stored. There has to be cold storage. Mm, mm, there mm. has to be canning units. Mm. People have to buy that pineapple. Unless you bring the market there, how are people buying? Correct. Economy has to be brought in here. Mm. Like I said, despite all these issues, I am absolutely clear that 99% of the people there believe in India and feel that only India is the answer to their all their answers. But we have to bring this to them. We have to bring them together. They are our brothers and they Absolutely. are our younger brothers. Absolutely. And they must be brought in with people of repute, with people of character and not through lies. Absolutely. You tried it out, it doesn't work. The only way is truth, the only way is sincerity, the only way is doing things to make sure that they give up their weapon. I have talked with all of them, all of them, all the Naga insurgent group, all the Assam insurgency groups, all of the Manipur insurgency groups, I have spoken with all. I have been there, as you know, I was a company commander there in 1988, I was a G1 operations in 1995, I was a director general of the Assam rifles and I was the chairman. I spent four to five, ten years in that place. Mm -hmm. And I know for certain that we can bring them in, we can have peace. Only if we are honest about getting the peace. Absolutely. On 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 that sentiment, sir, even the NEFA, so uh, I, I want to now focus a bit on the Arunachal Pradesh because uh, you know, the media has full coverage of Chinese encroachments at Arunachal Pradesh border. They are building villages along, uh, um, you know, along the Arunachal Pradesh border, mm -hmm. giving Chinese citizenship to the Arunachalis, a bullet train to Arunachal Pradesh border. And encroachment is out in open, right? So what's your opinion on the main factors that constitute of China's Arunachal Pradesh fixation and refuting China's claim over Arunachal Pradesh and from a reverse or uh, uh, from the corollary perspective is how are Arunachalis taking this and how should we capitalize on their sentiment of being an Indian? Firstly, let me give you a little background. The sixth Dalai Lama was from Tawang. Okay. The Buddhist population is connected to Lhasa. Hmm. The McMahon line demarcated in 1914 included these areas in the British, British India. Okay. The first map of NIFA on the Northeast French Agency in 1938 showed Tawang as a part of India. Hmm. The Arunachali tribes were autonomous till 1947. NIFA was created in 1954. The present Dalai Lama moved to India through Arunachal Pradesh in 1959. He was brought in by the five Assam Rifles. Hmm. Assam Rifles, Arunachal Pradesh was made a state in 1972. Rather, it, was, uh, it became Arunachal Pradesh as a union territory and it was given a statehood in 1987. Okay. Why does China want Tama? What wants Arunachal? Simply because like I said, there's a Buddhist population and they feel that Arunachal was a part of southern Tibet, which it's not. It's part of India. Yep. But China has created this mystery. And because China is, you know, what it is, it will create, create running all these issues and saying this is a part of our, life, our, our, our ancient lands. It is for us to be strong. It is for us to make sure that our... our, our, our uh, our country is protected, our borders are protected. It's for us. There's no other way. China has to understand that it cannot bully us and push it through. The population of Arunachal Pradesh is 100% with India. Mm -hmm. 100%. But you have to bring education there. You have to bring governance there. 
if you don't bring governance where will these people go if you don't bring trade and you don't bring economics then they'll go the other side absolutely so it is our inability rather than the ability of china to uh, to not keep this country this part of the country with us i am clear and i have been to arunachal i have been to tawang i have been to gumla i have been to the last part of india uh, you know vijayanagar i have seen there and i have been you know my my boys were a part of vijayanagar we have a company in vijayanagar we have to have a road can you imagine vijayanagar doesn't have a road functional road going to them 72 74 75 years later mm so there has been neglect and unless that neglect is taken out we will always have a problem like so, i said you have to do the work you have to do it on ground you have to have people who are sincere enough to do the work you can't choose people in delhi and think um, and throw money at them and say go and do it there they won't do it there is right. too much corruption there are too many issues uh, which which just will not happen too many people are running the things and telling lies so again coming back to the decentralization and local government has to be decentralized absolutely so indian that donor is... ministry ka headquarters has to be in donor northeast mein hona chahiye but what is important is that if you are a ministry you have to go to the ground and the ground is not being led absolutely so that is the part that we must take it to uh we must bring them we must take it there uh, i am absolutely convinced that uh, we we require this issue we require uh, all all the help of the government of india and people believe in the government of india it's not that they don't believe they believe desperately that the government of india has the answer for them and, but the government of india has to select the right people to bring that there absolutely they are not selecting the right people they are looking only at delhi based situations there are no delhi based answers answer has to be inside so that that brings a very broader yet a very uh, drilled deep down kind of a perspective from uh, the veteran who's being there done that so uh, sir thanks so much for giving your valuable time for this insightful conversation uh, i'm sure the session will prove to bring some awareness to the general population of our country regarding the scenarios faced and tackled by the armed forces and law enforcement agencies to keep the country in harmony uh, general chauhan sir can't thank you enough for your eminent presence on diplomacy direct thank you so much have a great day thank you vipul thank you thanks sir